This is episode 13 of the Nesbipreneur Podcast, produced by STEM Media. Drop that. You're listening to the Nesbipreneur Podcast, where we share information to help make your dream become a reality. Do you have a big idea? Looking to take your business to the next level? Then look no further. You have come to the right place. And now, here's your host, Mia Maya Mabry. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome one, welcome all. Thank you so much again for joining us here on the Nazipreneur Podcast. Of course, you know, my name is Dr. Nehemiah Mabry, and as always, I intend to inspire. Look, today, we're going to bring to you another exciting interview and episode on the podcast, and I am joined with uh, a young man by the name of Dr. Thomas Easley. Yo, Dr. Easley, what's going on, man? What is going on, Dr. Mabry? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited that you joined me here on the podcast, and I look forward to just sharing a lot of information with our audience about you, man. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate the, the, the honor and opportunity to, to be on with you. Dr. Thomas R. Easley is a native of Birmingham, Alabama. He has held positions with the U.S. Forest Service and other nonprofits. Easley serves as the CEO of his business, the Easley Branch, LLC, and the Director of Community for Diversity in the College of Natural Resources at North Carolina State University from 2004 to the present day. He earned his undergraduate degree in forest science from Alabama A&M University and his master's degree in forest genetics from Iowa State University. And more recently, he earned his doctorate in adult education from NC State, where his research focus was STEM faculty perceptions of matters of diversity. In his role as the diversity director, he teaches courses, counsels students, consults with faculty and staff on programming, ensuring that they are inclusive to all populations. With his background in forestry and diversity, he has co-taught courses in Sweden on forest practices and landscapes and ecotourism in Ghana, West Africa. Lastly, Dr. Easley is also a musician and is known by Rashad in the world of music. And yo, Doc, I'm telling you, this is going to be uh, pretty interesting hearing just your background. I know people are saying, man, he had a background in forestry. He's he's a teacher and looking at matters of diversity and you're a musician, man. So that's that's pretty neat to hear. And uh so before we dig into all that, yes, uh, one of the things that we always ask is that our guests provide just one random fun fact that they can add to that bio that a person probably wouldn't expect after hearing all those great things that I read about you. Uh, let's see. Well, let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, well, actually, also that I'm the pastor of a church um, that that actually um, is it, mostly a college congregation. So I have that. I'll, I'll add that to, to, to the mix as well. Wow. wow. So is this on campus, like, that you do, you know, conduct services on Sunday on campus? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, you know, but it's a, it's a pretty uh, growing and, um, and evolving ministry, I mean, because we do work um, really, um, we do work throughout the week, uh, uh, you know, with the students. And then we also work uh, a lot with two two churches in the area that, which, mm -hmm. that also helps us to grow the ministry and to work with the students. So what I love is that when I first went there two years ago, you know, the you know a pretty small congregation, one 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 entity. Now we really have mm -hmm. three different entities, 
uh, you know, that, wow. that that actually help us, you know, with how to how to how to educate people about faith, religion, also to help us grow. So, uh, so I'm I'm yeah. proud I'm proud of that too. So that's the other side, but that's another side. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> man, that's amazing, man. Professor, you know, musician, and now you're adding pastor to the mix. And so all this stemmed from you going to school. Well, I, I can't say stemmed from. I guess we'll find out more. But in reading your bio, your major when you started higher education was in forestry science. And I'm, I'm wondering, man, you know, how did you get into that particular field and what kind of led to the evolution from there? Well, in, in, in one way, I, I sometimes tell people I kind of fell into it. But then in another way, I realized that I grew into it. So, so what I mean mm -hmm. is that by the time I it was time for me to go off to, to college. And I'll admit, like, I didn't have kind of like a smooth transition all the way through in high school. Mm -hmm. But by the time I got to my senior year, you know, uh, you know, college was really a cool idea, but it wasn't really etched in stone. So I didn't know that I was going to be doing it. And then right as I had finished, graduated, I learned about a summer program that was being offered uh, at Alabama A&M University. Uh, Okay. And so, you know, I applied, got into it, and it was a program that they were doing doing research. You get to stay on the college campus for like the summer, and you make money. Mm -hmm. And so, I took it as, you know, I, I just really just saw, saw saw that opportunity, like, okay, well, I guess I can go make some money for a couple of months and do some, you know, do some kind of research. And when I did the research, my research was around um, tissue culture. You know, how we can really take take a tree, take take a species, break it down to the molecular level, and then uh, mm -hmm. you know, and do and do some type of changes uh, inside of the tree DNA to help it grow a different way. And in our case, we were helping uh, um, pine to grow faster. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, which is a big, you know, pretty good and usable species in, in the southeast region. So not just in Alabama, which is where I'm from, but also you know, North Carolina, Georgia, places like that. And I really enjoyed mm -hmm. it. I really, I had a good time. I had never heard of the field. I, you know, I never heard of the discipline, the practice. And so I said, well, hey, um, it'd be great if I could do some more of this. So the Forest Service saw my research. Uh, I, I presented it by the end of the summer, and I was given a scholarship, you know, that said if you're a major in forestry, we'll help, you know, pay pay your way through school, and then you come to work for hey. just the U.S. Forest. Hey, that sounds good. And there you have it. Always. So I so I started in forestry, and uh, the good thing is that I do pretty well in class. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. you know, but the thing that I learned is that I really love being in the outdoors and but, but the reason I say I really grew into it because I'm also an Eagle Scout. And so okay, and so okay. I grew up, you know, in the Boy Scouts, uh, you know, learning about the outdoors, learning about wilderness survival. And then I'm also fortunate mm -hmm. to say even though I grew up in the city, I grew up in an in an urban environment, my grandparents uh, knew how to grow their own food. So from mm. a child growing up, uh until about age age fourteen um, I was, you know, I was growing up in a house where they had gardens in the backyard. So we would go out and grab our own food. And um, wow. so I learned about insects that way. I learned about animals mm -hmm. that way. You know, I learned about how to, you know, how to, how to, how how to manage food, how to cook food, clean it. And so, yeah. I, you know, yeah. so, so that was the thing. It's like as I continue to cultivate this, my, I guess my relationship with natural resources uh, um, is I realized that it really stems back to my childhood. Boy Scouts growing up, you know, in the urban environment with mm -hmm. my grandparents. And then when I got into forestry, there was no wonder I did it. I wasn't afraid of the outdoors. Got you. Got you. Man, you, you know what's crazy? And, you know, you and I know each other. We actually got our, both got our PhDs from North Carolina State University. Yes, sir. And one thing, I don't think I ever mentioned to you, but I actually did a summer program 
at Alabama A&M one summer in undergrad. And I remember we did some collaborations with the Forest Science Department. Mm -hmm. And I may have met one of your professors. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but now that I hear you talking about it, I'm like, man, you know what? Like, Thomas was probably there around that time. Like, who knows? Maybe, like, this yeah. This was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome. That's crazy. Okay. Small work. Just kind of getting back to that, though, man, mm -hmm. you were in school, you were studying this particular area, but obviously you're a man of many talents. Mm -hmm. So as you were doing well and excellent in the classroom, mm -hmm. what were those extracurricular hobbies and other interests that you found yourself involved in um, as it related to just your entire personality? Sure. Uh, well, when I um, – well, I was always interested in, um, in, in hip-hop in particular, but music in general because I was part of the, um, I was part of the marching band and jazz band while, while mm -hmm. I was in high school. So when I got to college, I wasn't part of a band, but my love for music continued, but it continued in a different way. So whereas I was a trombone player, um, and I still am a trombone player. Um, I know okay. I grew up, you know, learning how to play the piano, and that was, you know, from my grandmother as well as from my godmother. By the time I got to college, I was more so focused on writing lyrics, making songs, and really learning about hip-hop music, but then how to make music in general. And so, mm -hmm. uh, and so while, while I was in college, especially when I went off to the University of Georgia, because I was over there as, as an exchange student for a year, I uh, was able to join two bands. One was a rock band, okay. and one was a jazz band. And, it, <laughs> and, and so it was, it was while I was at UGA, I really learned, I really kind of got this desire to, to perform. Because I used to, you know, write music and make it, you know, have fun with it. Mm -hmm. But when you start to perform mm -hmm. the music, it, 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 it's actually, you know, it, it entails, you know, something different. And so when I came back to Alabama A&M, my senior year, I just continued making the music. And then okay. when I got to graduate school, I joined another band. <laughs> and then we started performing <laughs> really throughout the Midwest. I actually, we, we actually did a tour while, while I was in graduate school. That was in Iowa, right? That was in Iowa. Iowa State? Okay. Uh huh. And then that yeah. that was and that was a lot of fun, you know. And um and then the other thing that I got into, I got into actually working out, and then I became a vegetarian while I was there. And so mm -hmm. by the time I come, you know, I work for a little bit, and I come back down south, I've really changed my life around in a way, uh, you know, where I'm trying to eat, I'm trying to eat healthier, take better care of my body, which I didn't do growing up, and I didn't really learn much mm -hmm. about growing up, and I'm also into making music. And so for me, yeah. you know, it was, it's like, it all kind of added more so, you know, to the kind of person that I became or, or that I am now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. And I can attest, you are definitely a, a positive dude, man, uh, inspiring, inspiring dude. And so, um, here, man, on this podcast, is this about entrepreneurship? Mm -hmm. And so kind of transitioning a little bit into some of the business side of who you are. Um, when did you first kind of get an idea that, you know, this is not only something that you could do to make a positive impact, but there is a potential to actually, you know, you know, make money as well and sustain yourself. Sure. Uh, it actually started a little over five years ago. Okay. And it really stemmed, it started with the music and then it really grew more into the other parts of what the business is actually about. Uh, so, so five years ago, I was, I was, uh, I was a part of, of a hip hop band. Uh, while I was working here in uh, in North Carolina, and okay. we started getting shows, we started getting invited to perform like throughout North Carolina. We even did a couple of shows up in Indianapolis, Indiana. We did a couple of things down in Georgia, uh, and also in 
Virginia. So now I just want to do a little backup, you know, as far as like before mm-hmm. we really started doing that because we started making music and and people started to like the songs that we had and they liked our sets. Me and my and my, and my friend at the time sat down and we talked about, well, you know, it, this might be a good time to try to, you know, see about making some make, making money doing this. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, and so just like talking to a brother like you, uh, as, I, as I like to say, a homeboy from Alabama, <laughs> I had another mm-hmm. friend, uh, his name, uh, like, I called him Dr. Mabry, I had another friend, Dr. David Washington, and he went into business for himself. And so he's from Alabama, he worked here, and I actually went to him and just started talking to him about the music side of things and how much fun we were having. And then he, you know, started asking me about how serious was I about doing this. And I said, well, mm-hmm. I'm actually very serious because I love it. It's fun, but I also think that I can do a little something extra with it. So from him, I started learning about, you know, about how to do a business plan. I started learning about how to come up with the name, own name of the business. Um, and then I started with my, with my partner at the time. His career kind of took him to another place. By that time, right. I was almost done with my doctorate, and I was starting to do a lot of uh, motivational speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, and I was also starting to teach. And so I was starting to uh, be requested to go different places and speak every everywhere from like here in North Carolina, talking at the King Speaker of the NAACP, to mm-hmm. going to California and talking like you know with the department about diversity. And what I started to notice is that okay, I'm being asked to do a lot of things. And man, there are other people, you know, just like Dr. Washington was telling me, you know, who do this and they do this for a living. And yeah, so I said, yeah. well, man, I said, well, if, if I have brilliance that people actually want and I have something that other people can use, then let me package it and try to, you know, be a little bit more wiser about it and really take care of it. Right. It's now becoming not just an interest, but it's something that I can make money doing while still right, right. and still having fun. And that, and that's something that's something that that yeah I kind of want to also dig into a little bit more too because you know as far as I understand you do motivational speaking of course you do music as you've already talked about um, you you teach obviously uh, as a professor and, and I know you do partly workshops and things like that mm-hmm. so share with our audience for those of who are listening who who find themselves you know they they have like you said brilliance or an expertise mm-hmm. and we always talk about solving a problem or or meeting a pain point of an audience. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, I guess, approach potential clients or potential organizations if ever you're in a situation where they want to know about you? You know, they, it's been called elevator pitch, it's been called proposals, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Just kind of give a little insight to, to how, I guess, opportunities um, start with you kind of initially sharing what you have to offer. So usually uh, what will happen is I could be brought or I could be asked to go and speak to a class of students about progressing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. either in the academy or moving through secondary education. And okay, so okay. and so when I'm asked to, to so so then when I'm asked to do that, I like to find out some information like okay, how old is the audience? Uh what's mm-hmm. the background of the audience? What's the purpose of the program? What's the theme? And then when I come in to speak to the group, I don't come in just to speak. What I do is I come in and I actually engage the group in a way to try to stretch their minds past where, past where, where they are. So, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. hey, young people, if you want to go to college, they're possible to go to college. And then, and then I start talking, you know, about a lot of different things and asking people about their interests. But the things that I do talking about how we think, you know, about our life, about our journey, what starts to happen is if other people are there, they hear me talking and they'll see that this could be used in their classroom or this could right. be used at their school 
or this could be used with their group. And so then what starts to happen is people start inviting me out to come and work with their group, you know, and trying to help mm-hmm. them with vision development, trying to help them with leadership development. And so then that's really what what what, what kind of has continued with my success. One person speaks to another person, speaks to another person. And because mm-hmm. I already have the system now set up with how, you know, with, with uh, you know, with how I can come in and help your organization, you know, help your mm-hmm. clients. Um, you know, uh, if, if you bring me in for like an hour, bring me in for for a day. You know, this is this is how much you know it, it, it will be. It makes it real easy now. So you know, so now when people want to bring me, I can just send them some information. Here you go, and uh, you know, you know, and if you want me to come in for this, this this is what I can do. So give yourself for this. I help you with business or talent development. And what I mean is that I go in and I help people to see the talent that they have and to really think through how would they use this talent to improve or to enhance their life. It can work with the child, just like it can work with an adult, just like it can work with a different organization. So just like a social change model, it can be individual, it can be mm-hmm. social, and then it can also be organizational. And I'm so, curious. Yes, sir. So with the music piece as well, and then maybe even the lecturing when you get down into like forestry science or something like that. Do you ever kind of use that as a, uh, for lack of a better word, upsell? So, like, you may be coming in to do a talk, and they don't know you're a musician, but mm-hmm. you can say, you know what, I could also, I hear you having a weekend, I can also provide some music for that weekend, or whatever the case may be. Like, do you ever try to use that as kind of like your back pocket secret weapon? Like, how, how do you incorporate that sometimes? It depends on the audience. So, okay. so, so if we're talking about, uh, you know, like, say, high school students, middle school students, college students, youth, I definitely always throw the music part in there because okay. because one thing that I tell them is, you know, if you're bringing me in to talk to a group, I not only will come in and talk, but I can educate as well as entertain at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so, you know, and so, and so I let them know that I know how to keep your audience's attention. Okay. You know, I know how to come in and do something that may seem hip, but even when it seems hip, when they listen to the lyrics, the lyrics also mirror or reflect what I'm there to do. So then after right, the, right. the song, they go, oh, wow, this dude is, He's rapping. He really can. Mm-hmm. He can. He can really flow. He's not cursing, but he's talking mm-hmm. a lot of history. He's talking about faith, or he's talking about individuality, so on and so forth. And then I start to talk. And what I love is that gotcha. the song really either leads into the talk, or the talk leads into the song. Right. So it's complementary to what you are there to kind of bring them already. Yes, sir. Kind of exactly. Find ways to incorporate it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. So. Again, when you when you start working on really making it a business, something that's viable, something that isn't just you know a hobby, mm-hmm. um, what is a particular challenge or lesson that you may have learned when it comes to you know running this as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. that you you know really embraced since starting your business? Uh, well, yes, my business is as good as the attention I give it. <laughs> okay. My All business right. is as good as the attention I give it. When I first started off, it was, it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Like yes, mm-hmm. you know, like, like it was more so. I did it in a way to not only make some money, but I was really doing it mostly in the way of kind of kind of protecting myself, if you will. So, so w- what I mean is that you have a lot of people who will come at you when they see that you mm-hmm. have a skill that they need, or they see that you have something that they want. The mm-hmm. business aspect of it helped me to learn how to manage my time. Okay? okay, but I didn't go into it for that. See, I went into it just to go, oh, yeah, let's see if I can just make some money off of this skill set that I have. But mm-hmm. I started to learn that, A, if you manage your time better, you can manage your money better. 
And if you can manage your money better, you can also manage your life better too. And and depending on where you are in life, you can really kind of you know it depends on how you prioritize that list that, that I just made. And um, and so just like people will want you to come and do something for them, you also have to think about the time, the money, okay, the energy it takes to do it. So having that model helped me to start thinking about how I was using my time. Okay. Gotcha. So if somebody wants me to come and speak for four to five minutes to an hour, and if they want me to, and it's someplace I have to drive an hour or two hours to, and they mm-hmm. want me to do it on a Saturday when I'm usually getting ready for something else on, on Saturday, then I have mm-hmm. to start thinking about how much time am I taking away to work with them or to work for them to give them what it is that they're asking for. And then right. at point, that's how I start knowing whether or not I can do something or not. So what I mean is that if someone asks me to do something next Saturday, then I'm not mm-hmm. taking a big appointment either a for that following Sunday or the Friday before unless I know right. I have time to do it. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. because I'm like, okay, Saturday, okay, they've asked me to come to a certain place and do this. This is what I told them I'm going to do. But what I don't do is try to overbook myself so that I'm just out here trying to make money. I'm actually mm-hmm. also trying to impact change and I'm trying to make right. sure that I develop a good reputation that lets people know, hey, he will help you, he will work with you, he's not taking advantage of you, and you can definitely mm-hmm. trust this guy. So it helps me to manage myself better too. Right, right, right. And I, I like what you're saying because that's one of those things that, you know, I'm a musician myself, right? Yeah. And and I play, you know, a lot of times for my church and a lot of other venues, but sometimes, you know, it, it goes both ways. People are sometimes afraid to start asking for money or saying that they charge a certain amount. But on the other hand, if you continue to just run yourself in the ground and don't really look at your resources from funding wise or even from time wise, you just burning yourself out and you're really not really getting anywhere and are or able to offer the best value that you have to offer. That's right. But as you as you just said, when you're able to, you know, prioritize, look at what does it really take for me to really impact change, to really take this opportunity and really give it all I got, then your business and what you have to offer and the value that you provide can actually be taken to a higher level because you become more efficient. So yes. I really like the fact that you hit on that, man. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, man, coming into kind of our, our, our final segment of this interview, um, these questions are, are designed to be kind of short answer, but mm-hmm. also so that the audience can continue to get some takeaways and some nuggets from our chat, man. And so the first question that um, we want to ask you is actually a staple question that we really, really enjoy. And that is this, you know, imagine, uh, Thomas, that, that you and I had an opportunity to hop on the time machine and to go back, you said about five years ago when you've been started, we can go back five and a half years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And you had a chance not to change anything, but to simply tell your younger self one quick piece of advice. You know, mm-hmm. you just had a couple of seconds to give your younger self a quick word of counsel or encouragement or advice, whatever. What would that be? Don't be afraid of the talent that you have and don't be afraid to tell people you have something that they need mm-hmm. or you have something to offer them. That's, that's probably the biggest thing because really I would have started my business a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of just wow. five, five, uh, five years ago, don't be afraid to go off on your own. Yeah, don't be afraid yeah, to get the money. You know, I would definitely yeah. say, you know, like don't do not be afraid to spend. I mean, be smart with your money because I've always been a frugal person. But mm-hmm. uh, as one of my favorite hip hop groups, Tribe Called Quest, would say, "Q tips that scared money don't don't make money." So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. don't be afraid, you know, 
know, to you know, to actually spend because when you are investing in yourself, that's one of the best investments that that, that you can make. That's it. That's it. Invest in yourself, listeners. I hope you all got that. Invest in yourself, and you and you echo something that so many of our guests say. Man, if I known now or knew then what I knew now, I would have started a long time ago. So that's I love the fact that you brought that home for us. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. Another question is, what book and or resource? And you can take some time to think about it. But what book and or resource would you recommend someone that's searching to make the right things happen in their business? Well, one that was really helpful to me, and actually, and I'm not just saying this because he's my friend. I mean, it's actually truthful. I read David Washington's book, uh, Life is a Choice. And his, and so that book really helped me to understand about making intentional uh, decisions about my life and how to be intentional about uh, how I used my, my education and how I used my talent to help other people. Um, and then, and then another book that was really informative to me was uh, by Thomas Friedman, The World is Flat. That book <laughs> really opened my eyes to how one can use technology, uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, to make to really make their own brand and to put themselves out there. But that wasn't the focus of his book. The focus of his book was to show how technology has tied all of our different industries and the whole world mm-hmm. together. And wow. so, and so, in, and so, in seeing that, I went, "Whoa, okay." So. So really, there there's an opportunity for me to put myself out there some more because it's going to be easier for people to get access to me. And even though that book is, I, I forgot what year, but I think I, that that was like early early 2000. That book mm-hmm. really opened my eyes to to the possibilities of recognizing that the world is right there in front of you. You don't, I don't right. have to hop on an airplane to travel to Sweden. I can get on Skype or get on my on my right. phone and talk to someone in Sweden. I can present. So that's the thing. I've done presentations online with schools and mm-hmm. okay, you know, and actually got gotten paid without actually having to go to France. You know, the room wow. working with them. So uh so so that's a good book. And then there's another book, oh, and I apologize, I just forgot. It's actually a book by Russell Simmons. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Uh and my friend he told me about it. Uh, I started reading it. I, I was almost done and it I left it actually in my other office. <laughs> well I tell you what we're gonna do. What is it what is it about? Because we usually try to look up the books, find a link for it, and put it yeah. in notes, show notes for the yes, podcast. Well, so. it, it's about it's about believing in yourself, and it's about getting involved in the hip hop business. Okay, okay. okay. Huh. I can't recall the yeah. right now. Uh, we'll we'll definitely find it, man. Hey, hey, any um, internet resources or like apps that you would quickly recommend on how you keep yourself organized? Uh, let's see. Yes. Well, okay. So I use a I, so I use a uh, Google. Well, really. Gmail has been real helpful with how to get yeah. my, uh, you know, to, to, uh, you know, how to get my um, my uh, company started and how to develop my own my own um, email account, and mm-hmm. and so and so they've been really helpful because either you can do certain things for free, but like I said, don't be afraid to spend money, uh, you right. know, uh, you know, like they they help you uh, with uh, setting up like your own uh, your own um, business calendar, your own business account. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also help you with uh, setting up like your own uh, checking accounts as far as like being able to monitor how you spend your money. And then I also work a lot with PayPal because mm-hmm. of, okay. because uh, because now now what, what I notice is happening is that when people are booking me, I love to have them go ahead and pay the fee up front, you know, or pay, or pay uh-huh. part of the fee up front, you know, depending on what the arrangement that I have with them. So PayPal makes it a whole lot easier where I don't have to wait. To receive money because it's mostly you're always done online. 
Uh, I keep, exactly. you know, I keep I keep my square with me at all times. So mm-hmm. if someone's mm-hmm. buying a CD or someone is buying a T-shirt, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always ready. I keep products on me, so uh, yeah. so I can always sell. You know, my product, I can sell my brand. The other thing is that most of everything that I have now is also online. So I mean, I use different. You know, like I have my own website. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. um, and I use what's called bandzoogle.com to, to uh, actually help set up my site. And there, I can set up the account where if you want to donate or if you want to buy my music right there, it goes to me. Now, here, now here's the other thing, though. When we talk about making music, uh, there's a website that's called tunecore.com. And tunecore. Tunecore. And that website is really helpful because going through them, it, it helps you to put your music in multiple places. And I'm talking about around okay. the world. So not just um, put something on Google Play or on Amazon. I have music on iTunes. I have music on Spotify. Uh, mm-hmm. I have wow. music, uh, you know, like in, uh, I have music on Rhapsody. So then mm-hmm. with that, if you know, so if someone says, oh, well, how can I get your music? So on my business cards, I have a, I put a nice QR code on there that takes you to the website, how to get my music. But for some mm-hmm. people, they, want to, they probably feel like you're more official if you're on one of those other sites. So right. I make money off of those sites through TuneCore, but through my website, I make, but I make more money because that means I have to pay TuneCore to sell the music. But if you buy it off my site, all the money comes back to me. Gotcha. So I have gotcha. to set up in multiple places so that I can make. Really, right now, it's like I can kind of make money all the time. Different streams, yeah, man. That's that's beautiful, man. That that passive income, man. That's that's that holy grail of entrepreneurship. So I love that. Yes, sir. I love that man. Well, yo, Dr. Easley, this has been great, man. Time has seemed to just fly by. And so we're coming here to the end of our, our chat, man, at least this, this uh, interview. And uh, before we go, mm-hmm. if you can, just go ahead and share with the audience how they could find out more about what you do, you yeah. know, all of the contact information, and then leave us with one of your favorite quotes before we say goodbye. Well, you can... Find me at RashadEasley.com, and that is R-A-S-H-A-D-E-A-S-L-E-Y.com. Uh, and there you can find out about music, uh, uh, um, how, how, uh, how, how to get a T-shirt, you know, how to learn about what we call Save Your Life music, which is the Save Your Life movement. Because that's what our music is about, is about you taking control of your own life and making decisions to make your life better. Uh, you can email me at uh, Thomas R. Easley at easily branch that's e-a-s-l-e-y dot com but then but if you want to talk uh about about bookings or different things like that and i have other people who help me with that now you can email at info uh, at easilybranch.com and then um and so you know so then if you have any questions uh you can you can get in touch with me that way i'm, I'm almost everywhere facebook instagram uh twitter um at Rashad Ease, E-A-S, Instagram, the same thing. Facebook, the same thing. Reverb Nation. So that's the other thing about business. I learned to keep the message consistent. So right. You, so you can Google me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you Google me, you'll see, like, some of my television appearances, and you'll see various articles, uh, either that I've written or that have been written about me, what, what I'm saying, saying uh, various things. And, um, and then to answer your question about the quote, and see, I'm trying to find because I want I want to say it right because because like I said after after she said it I went wow really I said yeah okay I mean I must say you're gonna be the first person that will quote theirself and, I, and <laughs> that's pretty dope though but go ahead go ahead I, man I'm gonna I, hear it I definitely appreciate it. I'm still, I'm trying to find it because it was it was something about yourself it's about um uh you know it's about whenever you have a vision for yourself hold on to it 
and don't let go because the people who don't understand what you're doing will soon catch up with you. Mm. So, you know, so, so, so there's something, is there, there's something brewing inside of you that you want to do. Don't allow outside voices to tell you that you shouldn't or that you can't do it. Just hold on to it and they'll catch up because as a, as a person who is a deacon, who's now become a minister, a lot of people mm-hmm. say that I shouldn't be rapping. Mm-hmm. Um, as a person that's in the academy, uh, when I first started working uh, at, at, a, at, a, at a North Carolina State University in particular, a lot of people started hearing, you know, I would tell people that I love music and that I love hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I heard, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of people who would tell me, you know, like, get that music and you need to go and get your doctorate. Mm-hmm. And what I'm happy to say is that I went and got my doctorate. That's why I'm Dr. Easley, but I didn't forget about the music because right. the music is really a part of who, of, of, of who I am. And so, and so as I continue to, so when I first started doing the music, some people were like, no, you shouldn't be doing that uh, because of these other parts of who you are. As I continue doing the music, what people started to see is how I was able to infuse and integrate these other parts of who I am in my music, in ministry, as well as in the academy. So now... Yeah. So now people are catching up and they're going, oh, wow. So, so it's funny because a lot of times people are impressed, but the same thing that they're impressed about is the thing that people used to not support. No, you're, not to do. you're right, right. <laughs> That's something, man. You know. Well, there, yeah. you, there you have it. There you have it, listeners. I hope you all have gotten something from this chat that I have with Dr. Easley. Man, as I said, this, this seems like the quickest interview I've ever had because it was so engaging. But, man, thank you so much for your time. I'm glad you are able to share with the listeners of this uh, Nespreneur podcast. And, man, we just hope you continue to do what you do. Continue to show us show us what's possible, man. Thank you, and I appreciate you for inviting me, and I wish you also the uh, the, the, the best success. Yeah, hey, man, thank you so much. I appreciate that, too. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, and we would love for you to come and join us again next time. In the meantime, please do us a couple of favors. One, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any other platform you might find us on. And two, rate and leave a positive review so we can know what you think of the show. And finally, spread the word. Tell your friends and family that they can join us right here on the Nesby Panor Podcast.